had been hiding having an eating disorder for probably a year. I was so ashamed and it finally got to a point where I was having panic attacks every day. Finally, I think I called my mom and I was like, I need to go to the hospital. Like I need help. That felt amazing. Mm -hmm. I remember messaging all my friends and saying like, I'm getting help. And they were all like, thank God. (laughs) Cause like we have been so worried about you being honest with the people that cared about me most allowed me to get help. The amazing thing about the mushrooms is that they speak. They talk to you. They will answer questions, carry on conversations. Psilocybin just pulls up a chair on the porch and puts its feet up. Are you looking for a community that allows you to authentically express and explore what it means to be human? One that honors the divinity within you and all life? Then Sanctuary may be just the community you have been looking for. Sanctuary is a faith-based organization centered around the sacrament of sacred mushrooms for spiritual exploration and personal development. You are invited to become a member and commune with us. Join us for a Sunday Zoom service or a weekend sacred mushroom retreat in the beautiful Kentucky countryside. Visit P-S-A-N-C-T-U-A-R-Y dot org to become a member and find more information. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Psilocybin Says. It's uh, Eric Osborne here. This is Courtney Rose here. We're going to be having another fireside chat today. (laughs) (laughs) Today, we're talking about a subject that was brought up from one of our listeners. Osama. Shout out Osama. Appreciate the uh, you rock. question. Yeah, and anybody else wants to submit a topic for us to discuss through the lens of psilocybin, please feel free to do so. You can do that by emailing me at eric at psilocybinsays.com or mm-hmm. you can do like Osama and become a member of Sanctuary and just have a direct conversation with us. There. Yeah, we have a nice little thread going in our Telegram chat for sanctuary members and every once in a while a great podcast episode idea comes up so that ain't no lie we'd love for you to be there if you want well we've just got a wonderful community and it's really awesome to continue to see it grow and we've had every week we have new people coming in now i'm asking i'm questioning if everything i'm saying is a lie or <laughs> not. Uh, for the past few weeks Aww. we've had new people coming in every week and Can it's be really wormhole. wonderful <laughs> well it is i mean that's that's what makes this an interesting topic and I think it's what makes it really important that we talk about we do live in a world where uh, it's questionable how much value the truth seems to have when companies are bought and sold for millions of dollars on a fancy website uh, or people in you know there's there's a uh, pretense of expertise that comes through, you know, effective marketing. We've got all this stuff going on with the media and talking about how much truth is coming out of the news that we watch or listen to. Mm-hmm. Now we've got the metaverse to be contending <laughs> with, you know. So the question is, what's real? What the fuck is even real? Um, and I think this is a really valuable topic to 
consider it's definitely something that psilocybin has confronted me with mm-hmm. um, numerous times. Yeah, this is this question. So Osama wanted us to muse on uh, this quote, um, secrets, even if they seem sensible, rarely bring healthy outcomes. Right. So secrets, I mean, that leads us to like, what is a secret? What is truth? How do we know something is true? And this is relevant in every aspect of our lives, the way we talk to ourselves Mm. in our heads, Mm -hmm. the way we talk about ourselves out loud, the way we communicate how we're talking in our heads to someone else and then on and on and on and on and it just amplifies from there Mm -hmm. so how do we know how do we know that we're being honest with ourselves first of all in our own heads yeah it's a great question well i mean especially when we consider the fact that our experience of reality is an interpretation it's from go we're not really telling ourselves the truth about what reality is so that's not an excuse to say that we have the ability to just you know whatever make up a story but at the same time it's all a story that we're making up Mm -hmm. so um, and it's being we're building on the story that was made up yeah from the generation before us and before that before that so it's like the story is so (laughs) we're so deep in this i guess we're just story i don't even know where to go like just stop talking now because it's so fucking convoluted i mean it really is from church and politics families there's just so many aspects of our lives that are like you said based on at best misconceptions so, you know, for me, this is what this was one of the first things that psilocybin kind of shattered for me was the concept of what is true in terms of what I had been taught. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the very first aspect of that was religion. I was brought up Catholic. Um, and as I've shared in other media about the time that I came across psilocybin was the time that uh, the the pedophile scandal broke in the Catholic Church, and I realized then that I had been lied to, that there had been some very dark secrets that had been kept, and that had bred um, a real unhealthy situation. Mm-hmm. But you know, even before that, you and I have shared this same kind of trauma <laughs> around Santa Claus. Mm. that's a big fucking deal it man. really is people act like it's like elf on the shelf and all this is just some cute shit but we are setting our children up for the expectation that they're going to be lied to mm-hmm. that there will be a secret that's kept from them and then when it's revealed it will shatter their trust in their parents and their faith in the world mm-hmm. yeah when I found out that my parents had been lying to me about Santa Claus, I just questioned everything. Mm-hmm. Your whole world as a child, all year long, you think about it. 
oh, if I do this, yeah. then uh, Santa Claus is going to know because he's watching <laughs> and he's going to, I really want this, this Barbie Jeep. Man, I wanted this Barbie Jeep so bad. The, the ones that you actually get in mm-hmm. uh, and ride around the sidewalk. We mm-hmm. didn't have sidewalks. So my parents kept telling me all year, like, I don't know if Santa's going to get that for you because we don't have sidewalks in our neighborhood and Santa knows. (laughs) And I'm like, it doesn't matter. Santa knows how bad I want it, you know, like, and then I didn't get it. I wake up Christmas morning. I run downstairs probably at like four in the morning, you know, because Christmas morning you can't sleep or Mm. Christmas. You just can't sleep. You're like, ooh, listening for Santa and the reindeer (laughs) and every little sound. (gasps) Is that, is that? Yeah. Santa and his reindeer. Now it's his ghosts instead of Santa. Yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> that's another episode. <laughs> and I go downstairs and there's a note. There's a letter, oh, actually. No. Like a two-page letter from oh, Mrs. Claus. Oh, God. <laughs> Kathy, of course. <laughs> My mom. And so I know, guilty. I know sh- she feels bad about this now. She I like, feel bad about it then. That's why she wrote two-page letter. <laughs> And I'm like, I remember reading it and thinking, Mrs. Claus writes just like my mom. Oh, wow. Wow, this must be like the way that women write. And it was just an apology letter about, you know, why I didn't get did the it, Jeep. Did it mention the sidewalks? I'm sure. I, I wonder if it's still <laughs> hanging around. I probably ripped it's it up your, and burned it at some office. point. <laughs> it's in my dad's office, <laughs> which is frozen in time. <laughs> Yeah, from there, uh, and my brother, my younger brother, had an even more traumatic experience. I mean, to this day, he gets he gets red in the face oh, really? remembering oh. when Ooh. when he found out oh. when my parents told him. No ammunition here. Yeah, he he's still harboring that resentment <laughs> against them, and I think yeah. he just you can see it behind his eyes well, all the time. He, how did he respond in the uh, in the like when it happened? Do you remember? He always cried, and I mean, I I don't know. I, like I can't remember it, but I just he brings it up every Christmas, <laughs> and <laughs> and just reminds my parents of uh, how yeah. he will never do that to his kids if he has kids. Good. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. I I'm with him. I mean I I wasn't that traumatized. I kind of just remember being shocked. Like I didn't cry or oh I did freak out. I just was like. Oh no! I remember saying, I remember crying and saying, "Now you're going to tell me Jesus isn't real." Little did I know. Yeah. And then you know what else? I've, I haven't even thought about this, but I remember after the uh, revelation came to be that Santa Claus was my parents. I remember walking home from school with a friend of mine, Beth, and I, I was like confiding in her that I found out that Santa wasn't real, and she told me she knew too, and. Uh, oh, and then you find out your other friends haven't been. Yeah, well, what what's so twisted about the whole thing is I remember saying to her that sometimes, or that that now I just lie to myself and and trick myself into believing that he, that he is real. So it set the stage up for me to lie to myself to try to comfort Wait, that's myself. What she that's said what, no. She agreed. She's like, oh yeah, I do too. I just tell myself that he's real. I just pretend like he's real. And so, okay. like, it's set. Like, no, I mean, yeah, I know. And so, I, you know, we're we're all this stuff that we read and consider around su- the subconscious. Like, what does something like that do 
to an individual's subconscious about ar- around the topic of truth. Mm-hmm. So, so it's no wonder, I think, that our society struggles with this idea of truth and secrets. And we've got so many people, so many marriages in because of infidelity and the, the, the secret around you know, sexuality and the drug culture, how it's been, you know, for so long people were hiding and sneaking. I mean, how many millions of hours have I spent sneaking around smoking pot, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and just all that that sets up and then setting myself up for lying to myself, you know, and it just like, it, it does get into a really, really deep wormhole of impact yeah like yeah sends the message it's okay to lie if it's if it makes things more enjoyable or just taking the santa claus example from that i got okay everybody well how many what percentage of people families do the santa claus thing mm-hmm. say say 90 percent or whatever say 90 percent of yeah mm-hmm. Just the United States does the Santa Claus thing. It's like 90% of people are actively lying for years. Yeah. It's culturally accepted. Oh, like parents will like, be pissed. It's, if you... it's, it's, yeah, it's more unaccepted to tell the truth yeah. about Santa Claus than you're like a, a, a bad person or a bad parent who's like killing their child's imagination (laughs) if you don't lie then you're doing this horrible thing to your to your kid's ability to be creative and Mm -hmm. tell stories fantastical stories and so that message how long do we carry that like it's okay to tell a story if it makes things more enjoyable and more fun and or just protects someone from revealing the tr- their their story the, tr- the the real story i don't i don't know it's twisted man uh so you know we could spend a lot of time talking about santa claus and we already have uh, but i think there's other areas of our lives where this has even more of an impact uh, particularly in families one of the early mushroom retreats that i did there was a guy there who he he had been you know, lying to his spouse. He'd been cheating on his spouse uh, for quite some time. And he came out of his first mushroom experience and, and he said to me, you know, I just realized that secrets breed sickness and that my family has lived a life of secrecy and that it's making, it's killing us. It's, it's like a cancer that's growing and growing and growing. So we have the question around when is it okay to omit truths or keep secrets? Is mm-hmm. it ever okay? And what do you think? I mean, there are aspects of our lives that, you know, deserve to be private or shared with select people. How do we kind of evaluate what is falls into that category versus what is something that should be shared? So I want to go deeper into that. And, but first, like, I'm curious going back to the person that you just shared, um, was who said the secrets breed sickness. sickness. Uh What did, did he share with you 
why he was keeping secrets like i mean did he elaborate on I mean, his, his wife would leave him he would not you know if she knew that he'd been he'd been cheating on her then he, she would leave is what he had ultimately said yeah which i think that's where most people fall particularly in in that category there's other stuff right i've worked with people who have hidden their alcohol substance abuse mm-hmm. or their gambling and, and that kind of stuff and what leads people to feel like they need to hide they need to lie how come we don't just tell the truth all the time i think i guess the the simple answer is the response of others to protect ourselves from the consequences of others perception of what's real yeah or you know the fact that we have done something that is harmful and we don't want to inflict pain on someone else or ourselves probably or, or mainly ourselves, ourselves. I mean, there's, there's protection all around it's, it's, yeah. a, it's perceived as protection yes yeah so going back to that last question like is there ever a time and a place maybe mm-hmm. to lie small or big and the question is keeping a secret always a lie i don't i don't think that keeping something close is necessarily a lie like, do you feel good when you don't tell me where the chocolate is? <laughs> First of all, <laughs> it's always in the same place. I just go Except to the store. Except when I find it in other places. That's because sometimes I have to move it quickly. To hide when, it from our kid. When Theo. <laughs> oh, so now we're keeping secrets from Theo. That's, I, that's the thing. I'm like, question. I'm like, okay, I know I'm hiding this from him right now. And I'm not telling him where it is because that's easier than tempting him Mm -hmm. with the information of where it is so i think this is a good starting place yeah good point yeah in that instance so like i've tried different things i just let it go and i know he knows where the dark chocolate stash is like i know you want a piece of chocolate and you know that's cool like you already had a piece of chocolate and I want you to be happy and I want you to feel good. I want you to be healthy. So, you know, let's, could you try and could you wait mm. to have a piece of chocolate until tomorrow? Mm-hmm. I'll give you another piece tomorrow. Like I see him processing it. And then in a moment of boredom, like he gets up and he's like, I know where the chocolate is. Mm-hmm. And he goes and gets a chocolate. That's like. And then most of the time he ends up keeping a secret or trying to keep a secret about right. where. And then he ends up hiding, get Ooh, hiding to get the chocolate and then hiding to eat it somewhere. Yeah. And then I know what's like, I know he's doing it most of the time. Mm. At least I think, I mean, you know, I know where he's at and what he's doing. So I'm like, okay, I hear him getting into the chocolate. I'm just not going to say anything right now because i want to just like <laughs> sometimes not all the time but yeah, like, sometimes no, I i'm like just i like, just want to let it go and yeah. he'll sometimes i think maybe he just needs to experience the feeling of hiding and getting it and mm. hiding and eating it and how that feels versus asking me for some me giving it to him and eating it mm. like out in the open and then sometimes i'm like no like I, he needs to know that i know that I know he's hiding to go get chocolate. I know he's hiding to eat it. Mm-hmm. And 
I want him to know before he gets too far with it that I know. I try and do that in a like an empathic way. Like I know like chocolate's really good and it's confusing sometimes to know when to eat chocolate versus like knowing when I want water or when I want fruit or whatever. It's like, I get it. It's hard for me too. You've already had. I'm still trying to figure out when's the secret justifiable. Is it justifiable to keep the secret from him that you have the chocolate so that he doesn't get into the chocolate or feel tempted by it? And what's the difference between secrets and privacy? You know, yeah. just having something private and keeping something a secret. Right. That's a good question. I feel like privacy is important. Like for instance, if I'm walking around on the street, this is just such an obvious example that people will be like, duh. If I'm walking around on the street and some guy comes up to me and he's like, I want to see your breasts. I don't have the obligation to show him what I have. It's not his. It's mine. Mm -hmm. Like I, that's my privacy. This is my body. Mm -hmm. You don't need to see it, even though you want to see it. Mm -hmm. So they're a secret. <laughs> like clearly I have breasts, uh, but right. that doesn't mean you need to see them. There gets to be a gray area there with that. Clearly when you start talking about the government, what the government has the right to see and what they don't have the right to see or keep from us or or spouses or, you know to, to take it to something that's really right. re relatable to for a lot of people you know your spouse should everything be 100 percent on the open or should there be and i guess again these are mm -hmm. individual boundaries that people can come up with and say hey you know i don't care there's certain stuff that i don't want to know or do want to know or blah 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 you have talked about like conversations with your friends and how you know there are conversations with your friends that you would like to keep private and mm -hmm. you know you respect that I don't feel like or I respect that I don't feel like you're keeping a secret from me now if you were having things with a friend that I didn't know existed yeah right then yeah it's an interesting area to navigate because like yes I want to share with you um my the experiences that I have in my life and I will I enjoy sharing those experiences with you mm -hmm. and there's times where I need to process things without you mm -hmm. and to include you in that processing say for instance I go out with a girlfriend and like I need to talk out some things about your and I's relationship that I am not understanding or like I'm having trouble with and we've talked about it and I'm like stuck or whatever. Mm -hmm. I need a trusted friend's perspective. I don't feel like I need to reiterate to you that entire conversation. How beneficial is that for you? Maybe some pieces I feel like I want to share that with you because I gleaned some mm. helpful information that could help us right. and I want to share that with what you. What if you're thinking about leaving me uh, or someone is thinking about yeah leaving their spouse again again like we can we can kind of sit here and chew over the gray zone as long as we want to and there's a lot of this stuff is going to be up to individual mm -hmm. uh, perspective and ethical codes but the mushrooms coming back to psilocybin it has so very often been the analysis I need to know whether or not what I'm doing is in line with my moral code or if I need mm -hmm. to own up to some shit or share something or mm -hmm. you know I will never probably ever forget that time when we were on mushrooms and you were 
you know, I, the, there's only been one time that I've ever, you know, whatever, been unfaithful or cheated on you or been with somebody without your knowing. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, the mushrooms, we did mushrooms together one night after that one time. And you were just like, there's something, there's a fucking secret that you're not telling me. And I remember that feeling of like impending doom. It was just, oh, it was such a heavy, horrible feeling, but it was just an intensification of what I had been feeling all along and what Mm -hmm. it always feels like to keep a secret from someone that you love or that you know you should share, you know you should be open, you know you should be honest. I guess that's really, you know, for me, that's the, 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 the tale is what does my conscience tell me? I know whether or not I should reveal something or not. I know. And usually if I, if it's something that we're afraid to share, then that indicates it's something that we should share maybe. Yeah. The, sh- the shoulding is tricky because above all for me and my perspective on this, honesty is sexy like honesty Mm. builds trust like i've never trusted anyone even close to as much as i trust you because you've been honest with me about thoughts and feelings and wants and questions that you have that are like really uncomfortable for you to share Mm. and be honest about Mm -hmm. and seeing you go through that uncomfort and sharing with me i've been very impressed that wow you it's it hasn't been very often for me in my life where somebody's uncomfortably shared a truth or something Mm -hmm. that they it's hard to get off their chest Mm -hmm. but like they want they trust me they want to share it with me and that has led me to trust you so much because when I question, is Eric being honest with me or is there something he's hiding from me? I have a whole library of times where you've come to me and wanted to talk to me about something that's hard to talk about. So so that it feels really good. Like it, it allows me to open up more to you. It gives me more permission to be honest with you and has me wanting to be honest with you more Mm. instead of feeling like I should like this is something that I should do because if I don't I'm gonna feel guilty like and it's more of like a instead of feeling punished or something for not sharing Mm. it's more of like an incentive to if I share then I'll like it'll feel good and it'll 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 give me insight uh, perspective. Yeah, well, and that that insight, like ultimately helping us figure out what the fuck we really think, because there's so many things that we think we think, and we think we feel, mm-hmm. and we think we know, and as long as it's running around inside of our head, and we're not seeing how it affects the people around us or how it sounds when we say it, mm-hmm. then like we're ultimately keeping the secret from ourselves. Yeah, right? we don't we don't know what we really think, and the way that we understand ourselves and life changes over time in order to break out of that stagnancy where it's really valuable to share what's on our mind and in our heart uh, with the people that we Mm -hmm. care about that kind of leads me to another question does lying make you a bad person or is lying Mm -hmm. bad Mm -hmm. 
I don't like the whole good and bad. You don't like shoulds and shouldn'ts. I don't right. like good and bad. Think about it in terms of kind of karma, uh, reciprocity, because what we do is going to come back to us. That's one of the reasons that I have, you know, wanted to be really honest with you is because I've wanted you to be honest with me and because I just don't want the baggage. I did live a long life of being very dishonest in a lot of ways. Had I felt safe enough or been courageous enough to be honest, then I probably would have come to a much more mature place uh, much more quickly. But I didn't feel that way and I wasn't able to to get to that point. Does that make me a bad person? No, it definitely hurt the people that I was dishonest to and it hurt me. It created a cycle of dishonesty. You know, we're all ultimately all just trying to figure this thing out. Mm-hmm. And so to in, to say whether we're good or bad or right or wrong is probably not the most helpful in my mind. Yeah, I'm really grateful for all the times in my life where my parents rewarded me for trying something new and like being honest about not liking something or liking something or being Mm. interested in something, you know, instead of shaming me Mm -hmm. for expressing myself, Mm -hmm. for instance, or telling them about a boyfriend or Mm -hmm. sharing something vulnerable with them. Like instead of reacting in like a, you shouldn't do that or right. Or like smoking cannabis, like sharing that with them instead of being like upset and angry, they were more inclined to just be calm and curious. And that was really helpful. And that has me thinking like we were talking about with Theo and Ananda, like Mm -hmm. I want to reward those that I love Mm -hmm. for being honest, sharing things that aren't. So easy to share. Man, I I can like you saying that just directly confronts me. I mean, already right now, you know, my family still chastises me for being honest. Our podcast has been a subject of of all that. And I understand that that is a product of their upbringing and and just the place where where they are right now. And and I accept that. Uh, But it really, when I look back at my life, how much hiding and lying I did it's amazing I broke out of that because I think a lot of the people that grew up in the same system just continue to perpetuate it I don't know I guess it was mushrooms or really if I could think of anything it was it was absolutely mushroom because I, I can remember being with uh, my second wife um, is the most immediate instance that I can recall where the mushrooms would just pin me down and I would feel just so guilty and for hiding small things. It wasn't mm-hmm. even like I was like, you know, had, had this big double life or anything, but hiding j- just feelings that I mm-hmm. had about a lot of different things. And, you know, she was a product of Catholic upbringing where there's a lot of shame and guilt and hiding. And just thinking about, no disrespect to the Catholics out there, but the confessional. You carry around all these secrets, all these sins that you've committed. And mm-hmm. the only place that you talk about them is in this dark box with yeah. one other person. Like, how creepy is that? Here's where you share your secrets. Yeah. In the secret box. <laughs> I mean, on one hand, it, at, least, <laughs> at least there's some attempt 
I'm not sure what the intention was in starting all of that. <laughs> like it was a, it was for the intention of helping the Catholic community and all of its members. But I mean, at least there's an outlet, I guess, yeah. <laughs> for sharing box. like I don't know perceived horrible things, maybe. Yeah. Instead of saying never share at all. Yeah. I mean, at least there's that. You can get it off your chest yeah. with one guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who knows everything about everybody. <laughs> yeah. Who has the permission of the God in wow. the sky to yeah. forgive you. Yeah. I I would prefer like with sanctuary, I would really, I envision having communication workshops mm. on how to communicate uh, things that are really challenging mm. to communicate when you feel really vulnerable, mm. how to create safe containers for sharing with your spouse, your partner or uh, your friends, your family, your kids, mm. all those things that we, we aren't taught in schools. There's not like how to communicate classes mm. uh, or at least there wasn't when I was in school. I don't think there are now either. Until you get, no, yeah. unless you're majoring in psychology or, yeah, or communication therapy. Yeah, therapy. <laughs> or, yeah. Uh, so, and just, yeah, like nonviolent communication. That alone, if that was taught, mm -hmm. if that was part, like a core part of curriculum, we would see a lot of negative behaviors change. And yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up sanctuary because that also fits into our conversation um, because it is an example of us bringing what had been a life of secrecy to the public you know mm -hmm. we lived a good while you and I I mean myself you know my <laughs> when I first started growing mushrooms my wife didn't even know I was growing them in the basement in a blacked out 10 gallon aquarium and that's so crazy I did that for years right next to the washing machine oh my gosh I can't imagine hiding something like that it was fucking horrible from you. Man. that seems well, like constant well, I'd sniff out the mushrooms for sure you yeah. said by the washing machine yeah like five feet from the washing machine and i didn't do a, a lot of laundry back then oh my gosh more now. oh yeah i hit <laughs> you know it's it has been said that it's easier for people with higher intelligence to lie because they convince themselves they can convince themselves that what they're saying is true I'm not saying that I have really high intelligence, but I've been a pretty fucking good liar over the years. It's not you told I'm me that. It's not something met. I'm proud of. It's not something I'm proud of. Although I don't think a great liar off the bat says they're a great liar. I had been, <laughs> I, by the time we had met, I was so fucking tired of lying. Okay. I was really, I was, you know, I, I had said that, like, I know that part of me saying that was to expose myself so you'd be watching, like, I don't, I didn't want, I mean, the first time we were, first day that we spent together, I would, was pretty honest with you about, you know, where I, the direction that I was going to be taken for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would, because I would hide the mushrooms as I was growing them, and then when I would eat mushrooms, I would tell her that I had, the mushrooms were given to me from a friend, and that, you know, it's like, I had, for years, I grew mushrooms in my basement, and nobody but me knew. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So how did that end up coming out 
to her? She right now, if she, <laughs> I guess if she's listening to the podcast, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, no, she never knew. She never ended up knowing. My second wife, you know, I told her from go. That was something I didn't. I was like, okay, I'm never gonna hide this again. So I was incrementally trying to expose myself um, in various ways. I never hid that from her, but there were other things, you know, relationship kind of things that I would hide. The mushrooms would just chastise me over and over. They, they, I guess I was immature enough and I was recreational enough with my mushrooms early on that there wasn't a whole lot of that, like you're hiding certain things, you know. Mm-hmm. They would definitely kind of redirect me in other ways, but it was only when I started to get really intentional with mushrooms around 2008, uh, 2009, when I would I was really getting very serious about mushrooms for self-development uh, and spiritual growth, that they started to really show me how much of a negative impact my secrets were having on me, how much of a sickness these secrets were breeding in me. And, you know, I went on in that relationship for about three years still not being truthful until she found out that I was having this conversation with a a woman and, you know, blew up. And finally I was like, okay, look, here's the fucking deal. I've been lying to you all this time. And then, of course, that, you know, became a big thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so that's when I really, again, it was just like, yep, no more of this shit. No more secrets. No more lying. Except for when you and I got together, we kept the secret then of growing psilocybin Mm -hmm. and it became this kind of dark cloud Mm -hmm. over us around something that should have been a very joyful part of Mm -hmm. our lives yeah it took me uh, a couple years to not feel well I guess to accept an opportunity to embrace that relationship with mushrooms again and we've Mm -hmm. talked on mm-hmm. previous podcasts about this turning that that y- years a couple years that we were together before that happened a few mm-hmm. years mm-hmm. turning those few years of hiding of doing something that we enjoyed and loved to engage with mm-hmm. growing mushrooms and eating mushrooms and helping others have mushroom experiences commune with the mushroom hiding that not knowing how to talk about it being afraid to talk about it being afraid to share these wonderful experiences we were having out of fear that people would find out we'd be reported blah 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 it ultimately led to all those things happening mm-hmm. people finding out as being reported as being mm-hmm. arrested mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, that really scared me I kind of associated I thought well what I was doing the thing that I was enjoying doing must have been bad. I must have, yeah. I shouldn't do that thing. Right. For a couple of years, I misinterpreted the experience of being arrested mm-hmm. and the reasons why I was arrested mm-hmm. with shame. Like I shouldn't have been enjoying that thing mm-hmm. that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Like that was bad, inherently bad. Mm-hmm. And instead of the, the act of hiding was really the thing that led to negative like more negative experiences so being able to reframe that and 
go on and help th- like a thousand people have mm-hmm. experiences in Jamaica with mm-hmm. mushrooms, mm-hmm. doing that legally out in the open, being able to talk about it, going from the hiding to the out in the open and like realizing, wow, that thing wasn't inherently bad. It was just like the way of engaging with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now with Sanctuary coming back even more full circle to our hometown. Because even in Jamaica, I was hiding aspects of my relationship with mushrooms. I did not talk to people about mm-hmm. this as a spiritual experience unless it really came up. You mm-hmm. know, but it, it didn't very often, honestly. And so anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that's it's interesting yeah. to me that that kind of came out. I didn't even realize as we started this conversation that, you know, there was a big secret that I danced around when I was working with people. Mm-hmm. And, and it didn't, it just didn't feel good. It didn't feel like I was being fully on the up with all the people that I was working with. Was that a bad thing? Was there anything negative that came out of that? Possibly it could, I could have helped people more by being honest, really upfront from the go. At the same time, there is, when you're dealing with a very delicate subject, um, that maybe people have trauma around, you know, it's helpful to drip information out. Uh, but regardless, I'm still very thankful that with Sanctuary, I'm at the place in my journey with psilocybin where I can be very real with with people that I work with on how I understand this experience mm. as an aspect of, of spiritual metaphysical growth, not just a psychological mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. And it's so interesting, the spectrum of like the time and the place for being fully vulnerable and exposed and the time and the place to be more reserved and trickling bits of information just Mm -hmm. like testing the waters Mm -hmm. to feel out how safe is -hmm. this to Mm -hmm. be vulnerable so that that's kind of coming back to the like is it ever okay okay is it ever wise maybe is it ever beneficial Mm -hmm. is more of the way i would ask the question yeah well osama's question was again his statement was like something like secrets rarely lead to healthy outcomes or something like that. secrets secrets even if they seem sensible rarely bring healthy outcomes Mm -hmm. i i think that's true i think that's true yeah i i feel in line in alignment with that statement because the more that we can the more that we allow ourselves to be in environments where we can be more of mm-hmm. ourselves mm-hmm. and feel more comfortable and safe being ourselves mm-hmm. more vulnerable i guess like closer to our our core true selves then the more that we're closer to being light and being free mm-hmm. well and the truth is a filter as well right it filters out the people that can't stand in the mm-hmm. light of the truth really mm-hmm. uh so you know if i'm like that that was it wasn't necessarily a test but that was one of the things you know with with us our relationship we got to get you know was that like if i could be truthful with you then and you could be there with me through that then i knew that like 
you're a match. We're a match. Um, and that goes for friendships. If you can't be really truthful mm-hmm. with the people you're spending your time with, your community, then maybe you shouldn't be spending, or maybe it's better not to spend <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as like much time with them. Time is so precious. We cannot get time back. We mm. can get money back. Uh, we can make more money. We cannot mm. really make more time. Like, you know, this life that we have is mm-hmm. the time that we are spending uh, is so precious. Mm-hmm. And if we're ever feeling like I'm spending a lot of time in this job where I can't be myself and I'm miserable only to come home and then be myself for a couple hours or a mm-hmm. few hours mm-hmm. or whatever it is or man, I'm spending a lot of time with this group of people that I really, whenever I try and be myself, they shame me for it Mm -hmm. or tell me like whatever this or that, that I feel like I got to be less of myself and listen to that. You don't have to live that way. There are other opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, And while it may, it's like telling the truth or revealing a secret, there may be a, 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 you know, early on, it may be really difficult. It may hurt. Um, there will be pushback, most likely. But it will feel so much better and so much more liberating. I think about all the uh, gay men and women for so long that just mm-hmm. lived a life of secrecy and shame. You know, I worked once with a, um, a guy who had been in the closet for, I think, 30 years. He'd been married, and he finally you know, came out and, and his experience was, you know, he had three, do- three doses of the most retching, uh, release of shame and guilt. And he talked a lot about through that, the shame of keeping the secrets, secrets from his children, secrets from his, his wife that he really loved and secrets from his family. And, God, it just it just infiltrates every cell of our being because we know when we're being honest and that lightness, you know, like we that that's how, you know, like when and I think about this uh, comparison of like when I was lying to you that one time and how it just felt like this heaviness all around me, like on every side, there's something waiting to to catch me. You know, mm-hmm. versus when we're just like honest and real and we just feel open and free. Yeah, it's it's such a different feeling. Um, I know I believe me, I know how hard it can be for people out there that maybe have families or communities, you know, being psychedelic. I was like 19 when I came out as this kind of very strongly psychedelic uh, and got a ton of pushback, got a lot of people in my community that just, you know, chastised me. But to the end of the day, I'm free. And most of those people that I know that were kind of berating me are still living lives of secrets. I would love to hear for those that are listening, if uh, everybody's got a story of, of hiding and Mm. then coming out of the closet, Mm -hmm. so to speak. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I would love it if 
for you listening, if you could submit a story Mm. that you have of an experience where you were hiding and then you decided it was time to be honest uh, about anything, I would love to hear that story. What's yours? What's your big, what's your big one? My big. Yeah. Yeah. What's Uh, some instances? I mean, we talked about the hiding of psilocybin. You know, growing psilocybin. What, what what else? Is there anything else you'd like to? Yeah. Come clean with? Well, I mean, you know, I, I certainly know that it helps others. And that's why mm-hmm. I've done it myself is for one, for myself to just feel fucking better about living. And for two, to set an example and let people know that it's okay. It's really like this is where it's at. And we've had a lot of people who have written in or said to us in person that, um, you know, our honesty on this podcast has helped them to be more honest and real in their lives. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know. Just Well, one that comes to my mind first is when I was, mm, how old was I? I think 20 and I was a sophomore in college or freshman. I can't remember. Uh, but I had been hiding having an eating disorder Mm. and for probably a year and I was getting increasingly more miserable. Um, and felt like I couldn't talk. I was so ashamed of what was the inner workings of my mental state Mm -hmm. and how I was thinking. And I knew a part of me, a big part of me knew it was unhealthy. And then another big part of me felt like it it was really helping me to uh, have a, a very controlling orderly like that was my way of controlling my life Mm -hmm. feeling like I had a sense of control and so I felt like you know I have to do this this is the only thing I know to feel like I have control and yet I know that I'm limiting myself I'm not allowing myself to socialize because of that impacting this sense of control that I have with food and Mm. I'm not allowing myself to enjoy dinners with my family when I'm invited like I deny like I was just declining a lot of invitations for socializing and going more and more inward and feeling more and more lonely and it finally got to a point where I had I was having panic attacks every day Mm. starting to feel this sense of like impending doom like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna be this way for the rest of my life and Mm. it's just getting worse and uh finally I think I called my friend Anne. I might have called my mom. I think I called my mom and I was like, I need to go to the hospital. Like, I need help. I I need, like, my body. I feel so weak. Like, I can barely get out of bed. Mentally, I feel like I'm in prison. Like, mm. I have to get out. It's so, <laughs> I'm such a wormhole. I have no idea how to dig myself out. Mm. And she 
was kind of surprised like she knew something was going on and I lost a lot of weight and Mm -hmm. so she was concerned all my friends were concerned they'd already tried to talk to me about it and I was like no like I'm fine I'm I'm good nothing's going on like I'm good I'm the best I've ever been you know and I was lying Mm -hmm. it got to a point where I just like I couldn't go on anymore so that felt amazing Mm -hmm. I remember messaging all my friends and saying like I'm getting help like (laughs) I just told everybody that had expressed concern and they were all like thank god (laughs) because like we have been so worried about you Mm. and so you know being honest with the people that cared about me most allowed me to get help and go through that process with them and that's Wow, yeah. Pretty big time yeah, for me. Yeah, that's big. Thanks for sharing that. And even now, you know, talking about that kind of thing isn't easy, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So Yeah. That's yeah, something thanks that, for asking. Yeah, it seems to be kind of a recurring response for you. And I think maybe maybe that's what I was talking about, too, in this, when I know that I'm lying, this sense of impending doom. Mm-hmm. You know, like, mm-hmm. everyone's going to find out. Yeah. I wonder how consistent that is for people when they're keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. I think that's like I can look back over my life and say that's like probably the prevailing sentiment whenever I am keeping a secret is that, oh, God, it's going to come out. Doom awaits. Yeah. Yeah, it's a horrible feeling. Yeah. It feels so good to just feel like, okay, life is on my side. I can be honest and still be loved. Yeah. If not by this person, then another person. And that's, you know, that's what I would say to anybody that's listening. We'll kind of wrap up on this, but I'm sure that uh, mom isn't listening anymore. But, you know, really all people need is to know that they're going to be loved no matter what they say about themselves, no matter what they share. Everybody's got a secret everybody's got something that they're scared to share and they're just scared to share it because they're scared that they won't be loved afterwards Mm -hmm. and so you know like just let the people that you love know that you love them and you're going to be there for them and you're going to support them whatever it is that they're going through whatever it is that they need to get off their chest and then they will and then everybody will feel better and you know there'll be some things to deal with but Mm -hmm. it's just it's really just about loving people like they are yeah that's where it's at thank you for listening and uh if you do have a story you'd like to share with us about deciding it's time to be honest about whatever is going on with you please do submit that share it on our instagram says. so thank you for listening thanks everybody Beating of the drum.